This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal. Michael Neal and Associates has been consulting credit unions for nearly two decades. He and his team help companies with three aspects of growth, cultural development, leadership, and management development. To learn more about how Michael Neal and Associates can help your credit union grow, visit michaelneal.com. Producing this episode, I'm Chad Harrington. This is season one for the Credit Union Leadership Podcast, and it's called How to Create a Thriving Credit Union Culture. Today's episode is about hiring the right people, where Mike and I discuss what credit union leaders can do to make sure that they hire the right people for their team. In this episode, you'll hear what Mike Neal has learned over his years of consulting hundreds of credit unions. Here's Mike Neal starting out with why it's important to hire the right people in the first place. Mike, I just want to start out by asking the question, why is it important to hire the right people at a credit union? You have to have the right fit of people uh, to be able to build any great organization. And if you look at organizations that people admire, um, those that are ranked highly, generally you find higher quality people, higher caliber people working there. Uh, it's it's the interface with your member primarily that causes people to feel a certain way about your organization, in this case, a credit union. So, and everybody's not a right fit in culture. Um, the more pervasive your culture is, uh, the, the more important it is to have the right fit in your organization with people. And just because somebody has skills doesn't mean they're going to be a right culture fit. And just because uh, somebody has the right skills doesn't mean they have the right attributes to be able to be successful in working uh, in a particular job. So how do you hire the right kind of people? If it's like you're saying it's important to do this, how do you actually find and hire the right kind of people for a credit union? I'm a big believer in, in three techniques primarily. Um, not in a particular order, but just as I think of them. Uh, one is behavioral interviewing. Uh, I think it's so important to ask questions that put the interviewee in the position to share with you how they would handle particular situations. Um, and I've got a list of behavioral interviewing questions that I'll be happy to provide to the podcast listeners if they'll just go to my website, um, follow it, and send me an email, I'll be happy to send them a list of the behavioral interviewing questions that I provide to my clients. But an example of one would be, tell me about a situation in which you weren't getting along with a coworker. How did you handle that? Tell me about a situation in which you were right, but the customer was wrong. How did you explain that in a way? that you were successful in retaining the relationship with the customer, but still express that you were correct. It's those types of questions that put people in a place where they've got to tell you, here's how I've handled that situation, or even if they've never been in it, how would you handle it? It's going to give you more insight into understanding how they're going to perform in those situations for you. So behavioral interviewing questions are a must. The next one is skill demonstration. And this is really important for people in selling positions. So 
I love lemon heads, you know, the candy. And so I've, I've got those on my desk all the time. And so when I was working in the credit union, uh, hiring retail staff, I would pose this scenario. I would say, I'm a candy store owner. You're a lemon head salesman. Sell me on the idea of why I need to carry lemon heads in my store. You could do it with a, with a permanent marker. You could say, here's a red permanent marker. I'm a school teacher. Sell me on the idea of how this marker is going to make me a better teacher. And what you're looking for is someone that can have a spontaneous conversation with something that is just out of context of what they were expecting with someone who's a relative stranger. The people that I was looking to hire are the people that when you step on an elevator with a stranger, they make eye contact and say, how are you today? Right? Rather than what people typically do is they don't look at each other and they all go into a corner and, you know, they start dividing the elevator up. Um, I'm looking for people that are comfortable around other people. I can teach you selling skills, but I can't teach you how to be comfortable with other people. I can't teach you to have a mindset, which by the way, I believe people develop over time, that people want to like me and people are for me. The people that do well in selling have that kind of mindset. The people that don't do well are the people that are afraid other people are going to judge them, uh, are going to critique them, are looking for flaws in them. And so how comfortable is someone having a conversation with a relative stranger and can that person present something like a permanent marker or lemon heads with the idea being, here's how it will help you. Because ultimately, that's what you've got to be able to do in selling. You've got to be able to present something. Here's how it's going to help you, Chad, rather than I need you to buy these lemon heads so I'll make a sale. And so an example of what might be a good response to the lemon head question. The interviewee might say, well, um, they're yellow, and so they're going to really stand out on your shelf, and people are going to be drawn to them because of the bright color. And um, you can put them in almost any type of container because they'll conform to the container size. So you could uh, fit them in almost anywhere. And um, uh, this would be next level. Did you know that lemon heads are the number one selling sour hard candy on the market? <laughs> and, you know, they might just be winging that, but at least they're just thinking off the top of their head. They're thinking quickly, right? Because they begin to understand what I'm looking for. Right. So um, if I've got somebody that can have that conversation, that's a plus. The, the person that looks at you and says, like, uh, what do you mean? You're a candy store owner? Or, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you just totally freak them out, that's probably a bad sign, right? Yeah. So uh, those two techniques... The one I, I am adamant about is pre-employment testing. So important. And because you've got to have a way to discern people's attributes. Uh, you can teach a skill, a skill, a, a selling skill, um, learning how to use a saw, um, uh, learning how to dance. You, those can be taught. You can't teach attributes, things like tact, trust, flexibility, judgment, manageability, the need to have somebody tell them what to do all the time, or the desire to have everybody off my back all the time and leave me alone. 
And, and so these are attributes that are developed over time. And, and what I have a tendency to say is what God, society, and parenting have put together in somebody in 25 or 30 years, you're not going to undo in four or five months. You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal, where Mike helps you, the credit union leader, to create a thriving credit union culture where you live. To learn more about the services that Michael Neal and Associates offers, visit michaelneal.com. This episode is about hiring the right people. So far, Mike has talked about the interviewing process, giving practical tips on how credit union leaders can hire the right people for their team. Now Mike continues with what he recommends that leaders do as they take candidates through the hiring process. Here's Mike. Following the initial interview, which I use as a screening interview, to be quite honest. Um, So with regard to hiring the right people, I I believe the interview is a process. So I want to make sure that you know how to dress for an interview. I want to make sure you know how to show up on time or ahead of time for an interview. Uh, I want to make sure that you have the ability to be able to communicate in a coherent and effective manner. If that goes well, then that's when we implement the pre-employment testing. I don't use the pre-employment testing as a screening tool, but as a tool that gets you into the next level after we've screened you. So, uh, and and the one that I use is the Profile XT and uh, from uh, Personnel Insights, and it's uh, personnelinsights.com. And the Profile XT is so valuable in the credit union world because not only does it assess attributes, it assesses some skills as well. So verbal skills, verbal reasoning, those things being different. My ability to be able to communicate, my ability to be able to understand things that are said to me, sometimes complex instructions, mathematical skills, mathematical reasoning. Now, those are skills, but they've got to be possessed by the applicant at a particular level to be able to be functional in that job. I mean, we're not going to hire somebody and then teach them how to do math so that they can do their job. They've got to come with a requisite level of skills and reasoning ability, both mathematically and verbally, to be able to be effective. So the Profile XT does that. It also looks at attributes, some of which I mentioned, tact, trust, flexibility. Those are things that you have to possess in different quantities depending on the job. It's the other thing I like about the Profile XT, that it is designed for the specific job. It's not a personality test, introversion versus extroversion. It's not a uh, temperament test, you know, how do you react under stress, um, it's not a communication style um, survey. You know, how do you, you know, deal with people um, when you're speaking with them? It is about matching attributes and skills with the particular job. So the skills the and the attribute match are going to be different for an accountant than for a member service representative, which are going to be different between a member service representative and a manager. They require different levels of flexibility, different levels of judgment. And so that's another reason the Profile XT is uh, so valuable. 
and also has a work interest match. So skills, attributes, and now work interest. And so we know from having used the Profile XT uh, over the many years that it's been around that your work interests are going to facilitate or diminish your ability to be engaged in your work. Which you may be okay with it and you're going to work enough so that you continue to get paid or you're going to really love it because it's in alignment with what you're passionate about. So to validate this, a few years ago, we did some research, academic level research. A lot of guys with PhD after their name. <laughs> and it was produced by the Feline Research Institute. And the title of the research is Attributes and Skills Common Among High-Performing Credit Union Employees. And if you go to my website, michaelneal.com, uh, you can uh, get a copy of that research for free if anybody's interested. And Chad, we started with about 10,000 credit union employees. And then we looked at their behaviors. We tried to find similarities in their behaviors among those who are really high performers. And so we called down to then the top 10% of performers from the 10,000. And then we gave them the Profile XT to see if we could find similarities in their attributes and their work interests and their skill levels, verbally, mathematically. And we found some highly significant corollaries, which then allow us now to have a scientific pattern match for very specific jobs in a credit union. We know what the Profile XT match should be for a teller. We know what the Profile XT match should be for a member service rep. We know what the Profile XT match should be for a loan officer and a call center rep. We even know what the Profile XT match should be for a manager to be highly successful. And so our clients now are using this to make sure they're bringing in the right people into the right jobs that will flourish. Not only from the standpoint that they'll love their work, but that their attributes align with the job so that when we teach them the skills, they'll be a perfect match. And so it, it's a great, great tool. So once again, behavioral interviewing, uh, pre-employment testing, the skill demonstration, I think are so critical. Mike, as you have seen many credit unions go through a hiring process, interview process, and even recruitment, what have you found to be the greatest challenges that credit union leaders have in finding and hiring those great employees? Unfortunately, it appears in too many situations that the interviewing really begins when a position need occurs. And I believe that creates some less than fully effective decision-making. Example would be, Somebody turns in their notice, and now we start looking for somebody to replace them. Well, the reality is it's probably going to take more than two weeks to find somebody. So then they've got to turn in their notice, which is two weeks. Then we've got to fit them into our hiring schedule. And then we've got to fit them into our training schedule. And then we've got to get them through training. And now what has happened is the credit union has been without somebody for weeks and weeks. 
Now you compound this by 15% turnover, uh, much higher in the branches, and so many credit unions are working short-staffed, which impacts the member experience negatively, uh, which impacts the quality of work because you have someone who is newly trained replacing someone who's experienced. So you're not coming in at a one-to-one swap anymore. So I think that's a, a real challenge. And so I really think credit unions need to be in a state of perpetual interviewing. You always look for people and what I would strongly recommend is for those bold credit unions who would be willing to do it is that you actually budget one or two positions more than you actually have to have so that when you find that gem of an employee, you go ahead and hire them. You can analyze your turnover to see the process and how it flows and how often you have openings. Hire people who are talented, who have ability, who have attribute match, that are a culture fit. And then, trust me, by the time they go through the training, there's going to be an opening. If not, then float them around. Give them some more training. I mean, my goodness, that wouldn't hurt, right? They can give them more than the minimum level of training. Right. And then drop them in as soon as the opening occurs. And now you don't have that gap in a position. And now you've got somebody who's much more effective taking over from the person who's leaving. And that seems to be something that's a, a challenge. And I think the the other big challenge that I see is, and it relates to everything we've said thus far, hiring for skill and experience rather than attribute match. You know, again, just because someone has experience in the job doesn't mean that it was good experience. Just because somebody has skills um, or doesn't mean that they're going to be a good match for the job. And you can teach skills. And as I said before, in a more pervasive culture, it's harder to find people that are a good fit for your culture. So that's why the attributes are so much more important because you can teach somebody skills that fit into the job, but you can't teach them the attributes. So it sounds like just being proactive, constantly thinking ahead. It's kind of like when my grandfather, you know, as a truck driver, was teaching me how to drive when I was younger. He said, always drive a mile ahead. Mm-hmm. Be look, Have your eyes as far as a mile ahead. And I was like, that's really far. And I hear what you're saying is credit union leaders need to think a mile ahead. Yeah, exactly. Don't react to an opening. Uh, you know openings are going to occur. Make decisions such that your member experience is not going to suffer because you have an opening. So that's finding and hiring new employees. But I know that employee retainment is also huge. In other words, minimizing and reducing that turnover rate that can be 15% or higher. So how do you keep the right people at your credit union? Uh, I think if you do a lot of the things we talked about in our previous podcast related to coaching and leadership, you'll have a great start because the truth, Chad, is that all the research out there uh, and all the research that's been out there for quite a long time say that the primary reason that people leave their job 
It's because of a poor relationship with their boss. The better we lead, the better we coach, the more we're going to retain employees. But I also say that people really want to find meaning at work, especially younger people, uh, the people we call millennials, uh, Gen Y. Uh, they really want to find meaning at work. Uh, they want to find purpose in work. And I think that the more we communicate with them what our credit union philosophy is and how we're positively impacting the financial well-being of our members and the communities we serve, they're going to be able to find that. I think we get the false notion that the things that motivate us as senior managers, such as net worth and return on assets and generating new loan dollars and non-interest income are the things that also excite people at different levels than us at the credit union. And that's just not true. We, we know that having researched it. The thing that we found in our research on attributes and skills common among high-performing credit union employees is that they have a desire to serve people more so than any other key desire. They also feel very strong that their moral compass is correct. In other words, I believe I should be serving people and I believe that is correct. And if you try to tell me that I need to be doing something else with my time with a member, then I'll just reject it. Which I'll politely reject it. I'll say, yeah, I'll do it, but I won't do it because my moral compass is that strong. I think you're wrong. I think I'm right. And I won't divert from that. And what that means is, here's a practical example. The credit union may say, hey, we need you to sell 50 of these things. And by the way, it's not selling, it's telling. <laughs> right? I mean, try to parse words so that the employee won't feel so bad about it. Now, employees are intelligent and they'll go, mm, okay, yeah, whatever. They understand what you're asking them to do. Now, what confirms that? Now, when their manager sits down with them and says, well, you were supposed to sell 50, but you only sold 40, so that means you got to do 60 next month to average 50 for the two months. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to really get after it next month. You're already a, a week deep into this month, and you've only got 15, so you're behind the power curve already, so you got three weeks left. Gee, it sounds a lot like selling to me. And so they will just switch us off. So what if we were to communicate it in a way that's in alignment with the credit union philosophy, in alignment with our purpose and our mission. What if I did this? If I said, uh, Chad, last month you didn't do a very good job of helping our members to improve their financial well-being. What are you going to do differently this month to be able to make sure you do that effectively? In other words, because when I don't tell you about how we can save you money, if I don't tell you how we can save you time, if I don't tell you how I can make your life better, then I'm not doing my job. It's not fulfilling the purpose. So now I'm failing to help the member rather than sell something. And there might be some people listening to this right now thinking, okay, that's just semantics. It's not. I think people that say things are just semantics are people that don't care enough about words. Because words mean things. You know, we, we've dumbed everything down such that, oh, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It does matter. The way we communicate to people aligns with their belief system or does not align with their belief system. And so when that happens, 
and we don't align with their belief system, then we've got to convince them that their belief system is not right. So given the fact they have this moral compass, that my job is to help people. It's been put on this earth to do. And then we can talk to them from a coaching perspective about they did a really good job of helping or they did a less full, fully effective job of helping. It's going to get you a lot farther along in keeping somebody working with you than trying to tell them, hey, you were supposed to sell more and you didn't. Now you got to really start selling more. Here's an interesting bit of findings from our research. Credit union employees have more in common with people that work at the Red Cross than people that work at the bank. I want to say that again because I just think that's so important. Our research found credit union employees have more in common from an attribute standpoint with people that work at the Red Cross than people that work at a bank. Working in the very similar industries, but the reality is the purpose of what draws them to want to work is vastly different than someone who is working at a different type of financial institution. That's really interesting. Mike, is there anything else you wanted to add about hiring the right people for a credit union? You know, I just think that it's the secret sauce because as a coach, I can only coach people that have the attributes and abilities to be successful. Uh, it's, it's why you see a team that is underperforming, replace a coach, and win the championship next year, right? Because the attributes were there, but the leading wasn't there. You've also seen another situation. You've also seen coaches lose their job because they put together a team that doesn't have the attributes to be successful, and so what they do is they bring different players together that the chemistry works and their passion and desire to be successful comes together and creates something fantastic. So it works both ways. And that's why in the, our podcast, we've addressed leadership and coaching. And now we're addressing uh, hiring the right people because you've got to have both. Once we make sure we can lead and coach well, We've got to make sure that our leaders and coaches have people that have the attributes to be successful. Because if not, all the leading coaching won't make any difference because people in those situations don't have the requisite abilities to take it to that next level. You've been listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal. If you want Michael Neal and Associates to help you and your credit union develop a thriving credit union culture, visit michaelneal.com.